uh, it's, it's always good to see what God is doing. And so I just want to ask, maybe your wife can come too. I don't know if she likes being in front of people. All right, she, all right, yeah, come on. She's going to sing. She's going to do a special. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, just share, man. Share what you guys are doing. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Apoc. It's short for Apocalypsis. And what is your name? My name is Maria Jose, but everybody calls me MJ. So we are um, starting a church in the Anaheim Hills area called Zion Church, and we started during the pandemic. And it was one of those things where, since we were young, um, I was about 15, the Lord, you know, put a call in our lives to one day plant a church. And it took almost 20 years for that to come. And it took the pandemic. We were actually wanting to be missionaries in España. Uh, we're bilingual. We're uh, Mexicanos and Salvadoreña. So um, we're like, you know, we're going to plant in Spain. And But when the pandemic hit, we felt like the Lord was like just telling us, like, this is a mission field right now. Um, you know, this area, you, you know, people need Jesus here in our country. Uh, our roots like stayed here. And that's where Zion came about. And one of the big things I think for the pandemic that really started speaking to us and kind of were our, our uh, like the mission of the church is to create spaces for God to dwell and for hearts to be transformed by the love of Jesus. So one of the things that we were very aware of, especially during the pandemic, it was reminding us that uh, every time, and, and the, you know, the Bible teaches us this, that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And uh, we cannot allow the enemy to uh, fool us into thinking that this is the only place. So we began to, uh, you know, plant this vision and, and talking to people about, man, we want to create every time that we're two or three are gathered, whether we're meeting at the park, which we met for almost a year at the park, uh, or small groups or online, we had to do that too. We, we believe that if we were doing it in the name of Jesus, that God was there, God was going to do something supernatural. So that has been our, our heart, that has been our passion, and we're, you know, continuing to work towards officially planting. So, yeah, we're excited. You know, we're still in the process. You guys know planting a church is, is it's, it's work. It, it is work. Um, you're not, the enemy is not going to be like, hey, yeah, go ahead. You know, let's plant a church here. Yeah. Uh, no, the enemy will do everything in, its in his power. Um, to try to stop the work of God. But the good news is that it is finished. You know, the Jesus, it, the work is done. All we have to do is trust God and walk in that, walk in the purpose, walk knowing that uh, we're not the ones fighting. God is fighting for us and he's already won. And we've got to walk in that and knowing that the Lord is opening doors for us. God is creating conversations, putting the people in place. And that is our encouragement. You know, I don't want to preach, but it's like I would encourage every single one of you that there is no one that wants the church to grow more than Jesus. There's no one that wants to see your family be saved more than Jesus. Your children, your, your parents, God wants to see them come into the full knowledge of Jesus. And all we have to do is you ourselves and say, Lord, um, I surrender. Not I give up, but I surrender. 
and I'm letting you do the work. So I want to encourage someone today. Maybe you've been praying for your family. You've been praying for the city, and you're like, God, when is it going to happen? Man, he, he wants it to happen. We just have to align ourselves and submit to God and say, God, I'm not giving up, but I am surrendering. And I'm saying, Lord, I trust you. And I know that it is your intention for all to come into the knowledge of Jesus. So I'm just going to submit, honestly, get out of the way and allow you to do what only you can. So that's it for me. Anything you want to preach, MJ? <laughs> he said it all already. But I just want to say that it's so beautiful to yeah. see what God is doing here. And we'll continue to pray for your church and as well. Continue to pray for Zion Church as we continue to do the work over here at uh, Anaheim Hills. Um, but just know if you know anybody in that area, you can send them our way as well. <laughs> um, but that's, that's it. That's it yeah. <laughs> We're short-winded. God bless y'all. <laughs> cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, I, for me, what I make it a practice to do is to really honor anybody who has given their lives to say, Lord, we just want to serve you in whatever capacity it is. So when you have a, a pastor from another church, you know, you, I may not know them well. I trust Jeremy and Deb. If they're weirdos, it's their fault, guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is this, though, that I do, I do see it as like, look, I don't have to know them that much to know that if someone says, Lord, use me, I want to serve you, then I can trust that, right? And then we talk about all the other stuff later over dinner and food and stuff. But uh, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to get you guys back, man, because... You know, he wanted to preach, so you can see it. You can see it. He was like, start, stop, start. So, you know, like, so um, yeah. And, and also for us as a church to be mindful of what God is doing in the bigger picture. We're not the only church, right? We're not the only thing that God's working or doing. And, and so that's to be mindful, to be happy that God is doing other things in other places, to celebrate that. I tag them on Instagram. So if you guys want to go follow them, go follow them, support them, you know, share their stuff. So that's how, what we can do as a church to just encourage other uh, believers in what they're doing to submit to what God is asking of them. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, number one, that you love us, that there's nothing that we've done that made you love us, that you did all the work, that we, we're not here to, uh, to do something to make you love us. So we are so grateful for that. Lord, we, we ask that you would just help us tonight as we go through this series, as we go through this message, that your name would be lifted, lifted up, that your name would be glorified, not just in this church, but in our homes. Lord, we are mindful of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are persecuted, who cannot come together and worship like this, who cannot read the Bible out loud. We are mindful of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray for them today. We ask, Holy Spirit, let them have peace. Let them have joy in whatever place they're at. If they're sitting in a prison cell or if they're sitting in a home just trying to read the Bible secretly, Lord, that they would be encouraged to know that their brothers and sisters in Christ do not forget about them. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you here that as we read your word that you'd give us the understanding to not just receive it but to apply it into our lives. Jesus, we declare you as Lord over this church, over this message, and over our lives. We thank you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all you are going to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I'm excited to jump into this. Uh, I think, you know, what's funny 
This is funny, guys. Last year, uh, Eddie uh, Zale mentioned <laughs> we had a meeting. We had a meeting where Pastor Nate came and shared with us. And Pastor Nate's going to be with us. Do not miss that. The whole month, if you miss the whole series, okay, if you miss me, that's okay. But don't miss Pastor Nate. He has something that he's going to share that I just, when I heard, I was like, bro, you have to come share that with our church. Um, and he's going to be here on Father's Day. So it's going to be a great, powerful time. But when we were in that meeting, we, what we did is we go into the mountains and I just go like be like a caveman. No, I'm just kidding. I, go, I like to go get away and just plan out the whole year. And so as we plan this out, this series was planned in November 2022, right? Then we started seeing everybody get pregnant. <laughs> we were like, oh, all right. So God's in this, right? God's in this. God's, all these babies are going to be coming. And we're like, man, we, we need this. So I want you to know that this is not an attack. I don't want you to feel condemned. If you're a parent and your children are already grown, I don't want you to be like, man, I'm hearing something. I feel so guilty or I feel condemned. And, and this is not what this is about. What this is about is to help us understand the nature of God, who God is, and, and who he is in our life and how we can present that to our children. So parental guidance, um, I chose a graphic that had all these movies my, my dad loved movies, right? He, he would go, but he was the worst one to send into the video store because he'd come out with like, you, you wanted to watch Spider-Man and he'd come out with like Arachnid Man. And he'd be like, dad, what is this? He's like, Spider-Man. No, it's not, dad. It's like a, a $50 budget movie. So he was just, he loved movies, but we always watched movies growing up. So that was a big part of my childhood. Um, the goal of this series is to recognize the scriptural presentation of parenting standards and learn how to apply this in a real-world context. Okay, so that can be challenging for a lot of us. We're in different settings. Um, there are some famous parents that when you think of parents, pop culture, you know, was defined by certain, certain couples, right? And so I got some for us that maybe you'll recognize. All right, so here's the first one. Everybody, right? Right? <laughs> Right? Uncle Phil, right? You got Uncle Phil. And then there was this next show. I didn't know, but apparently they're one of the most recognized couples in, in uh, TV history. So this next one is, anybody know this? Yeah, yeah. And, so, and we're talking about pop culture, the influence of parents, right? And these are people that come to mind. Um, then you got these ones who some of you may not recognize. I'm thinking Tino and Amaret don't know who they are at all. Right? This is, this is the, the Cunninghams from Happy Days. So Fonzie, right? Fonzie, right? Yeah, this is good times, man. Happy days. And then we got, of course, Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> and these are, these are, when we think of parents, some of us will have uh, parents that we are accustomed to, that we know from our home setting. Some of us have these ideas of parents from, you know, TV, pop culture, and there's this presentation of what we think of, of parents, what that should look like. And so in looking at this, what we can identify first off is the definition of a parent. It's a father or mother, okay? Parenting is the activity of bringing up a child as a parent. So, okay, we'll get into a little bit more definition right now. Guidance is defined advice or information aimed at resolving a problem or difficulty, especially as given by someone in authority. 
So what we know is the definition of this is not crazy ambiguous, okay? It's pretty clear. Children, you do. I know everybody's like, oh man, we're in some trouble. <laughs> you know, and children remember what you say, but they do what you do. You know, you can walk into a home and you can see this big Christian sign. You know, our family loves the Lord. Our family eats together. Our family apologizes, right? All these things. And then you go in and you're like, dude, they do nothing of that. Like, that's the wrong sign for them. That sign needs to get taken down. It needs to get burned. Like, you know, it doesn't work. So, but what, but I can, we can define a little bit further. You can have parents and not have guidance. You can have parents and not have guidance. You can have guidance outside of your parents. You can have kids and not be a parent. A father or mother makes a choice to be a parent. You cannot parent and avoid guidance. You can't. You can't be a parent actively involved in your children's life and avoid giving them guidance. Now, parenting, most of us are pretty familiar with, is not strictly an order of biology. Adopted children are parented by their adoptive parents. You know, there, there's, there's parents that adopt children, and it is their son, their daughter. They have adopted them. They are their parents. A tragedy is a child with no parents. That's a tragedy. The context of that usually is abandon. There's a death, the parents die, addiction, depression. A child with no parents is a tragedy. Even those in a secular context can present an empathetic view on the value of parents. Those that are not in the church, those are outside, most people can say parents are important in a child's life, right? Most people that are not Christians even believe that. Even in our spiritual walk, though, we have spiritual parents, Okay, and this is, I want to be careful with this, because this is where it can get, um, cults get formed out of these mindsets. Oh, that's my spiritual father. That's my spiritual mother. Okay, so I'm not suggesting that a spiritual parent or spiritual father or mother is something that should be like, oh my gosh, I have to follow and do what they do and say what they say. Okay, scripture teaches us a little bit about this. I have never, myself, this is me, I've never been big on using this type of terminology. Like, that's my spiritual father, that's my spiritual mother. I've never been big on that. I think it's a little weird. That's just my personal opinion. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> I think it's a little weird. Like, some of that's my spiritual, that's my spiritual papa. Oh, that's weird, man. <laughs> like, you know, are you guys from Kentucky? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, it's just weird for me. But the Bible does present it to us. The terminology is in Scripture. So if we go to 1 Peter 5, 13. 1 Peter 5, 13 says this, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Now this was not his physical or biological son. This was someone that was a spiritual son to him. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, 1, 2 Paul writes this, he says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from the God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So we can see that there's this almost pattern and clarity of Scripture that points to this terminology is used. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15 says this, Here for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden. For I seek not what is yours but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And actually, we can stop there, just verse 14, because he says is about like the setting that he's their spiritual parent, right? And he's saying to them, he's saying that uh, you're not obligated to save up for the parents, but parents for their children. So we see terminology in Scripture. So if you use that language, it's not a horrible thing. I might think you're a little weird, but it's not unbiblical. And, and what I'm trying to point out here is that this is something that in, the, in our church, in the Christian setting, in a community of believers, there are spiritual parents that come along and they help us and they adopt us. They take us in. They give us meals, right? I was just at an event and one pastor was saying, there are some kids or there are some adults in this building that owe me three years of meals, man, because they went in my fridge every day. <laughs> and they, they weren't my kids. They just showed up my house. And you can have from, from what we have, right? You, I, I'll adopt you. I'll help you. I'll, I'll give you guidance. I'll mentor you, disciple you. Uh, the implication is that the apostles took on spiritual children. So, but let's put a little recognition, a point of, 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 of clarity to engage others from this clarity. So if you think like, oh, I'll be a spiritual parent. I'll be someone's spiritual father or mother. That's my calling. But you don't even know what God wants you doing. That's not your calling. <laughs> it's simple. Because the apostles had clarity on what God was asking of them to do. And those that came in with them, they adopted, and, and those people that were adopted became part of the mission that the apostles had. So if you're here and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, I'll be a spiritual mother. No, you're just weird, okay? That's just weird, because if you don't know what God is asking of you, you have no business adopting spiritual children, okay? So I'm saying that for us as a church, so that we have clarity and we're all on the same page. Basically, bottom, don't be weird, okay? Let's just, that's bottom, we'll go with that. <laughs> all right, forgive me, but I have to say that. We can recognize from the apostles a couple things. The apostles knew who they were in Christ, and the apostles became fathers in service. They served, right? Because they knew what they were supposed to be doing, so they were serving. There's this quote here, it's similar to what I, I shared at the beginning, Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Yeah, that's, mm, that's like, mm, oh. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin says this, educate your children to self-control, to the habit of holding passion and prejudice and evil, tendencies subject to an upright and, and reasoning will, and you have done much to abolish misery from their future and crimes from society. So to give you some background for myself, I was born in the 80s. Uh, my, my father's name is Robert. My mom's name is Melinda. My dad grew up in an abusive home. It was not a, a godly home. It was abusive. It was, they were violent. They were, you know, bad people. <laughs> they were bad people. 
at one point in the home, this was in the home, this wasn't even outside, this wasn't issues going on outside, this was in their home, my grandfather threatened my grandmother. And it was it, in such a graphic way that I'm, I don't feel comfortable sharing, especially if we're live streaming, but he threatened her in such a way that it was violent, graphic, and horrible. And my dad and his brothers said, if you touch her, we're going to beat you up. And so this was the home my dad grew up in. Uh, I remember he shared a story of how my grandfather would go and take the money that he was getting paid. My grandmother would have no money for food, no money for rent. And so one day they went to the bar and they said, we need the rent money. And my grandfather told the boys, his sons, what are you going to do, beat me up? And they said, yeah. <laughs> so this was the home that my father grew up in. Okay, just the normalcy of chaos, the normalcy of violence, the normalcy of uh, an unbalanced home, uh, um, a violent home, an abusive home. Uh, my mother grew up and saw some, ma some major issues. I won't share everything. Nani is, is past Sister Mancha. That's my grandmother. That's my mom's mom. And some of the things that my mom has shared, and I won't share everything because I think that's inappropriate, but she did have memories of, of some domestic violence in the home, which my grandmother would attest to, say, yeah, that happened. Domestic violence, until my grandfather, who uh, is Pastor Mancha, and he's not my biological grandfather, which uh, was funny because I didn't know that until I was older. I was like, wait, he's not my real grandpa? <laughs> But he was my grandfather because he adopted me, right? He was there for us. He was my grandfather. He's poppy. But my mom said that there was domestic violence until Pastor Mancha came in and beat the other guy up. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, and I'm saying all that to get to a point, okay? My parents were not perfect. And this is, this is my parents directly, Robert and Melinda Menchaca who are missionaries, church planters, been in the ministry for years, they were not perfect. I grew up, I saw them angry. I saw them failed to uh, live or live and be Christ-like at times. I saw that. But I never saw them drunk. I never saw them hit each other. Um, I never saw them even disrespectfully argue with each other. I never saw that. Our home was standardized in that the way they treated each other in front of us as children was not crazy. But I, like I said, they were not perfect. But I can say this, I can stand in front of a crowd like you and say that by the grace of God, they were amazing parents. They were not perfect, but they were amazing to me. I look back and think, man, if I can be half as good a father as my dad was, I'll be a great dad. And what I'm saying to you is this, it was by the grace of God if there's hope for them, there's hope for me and there is hope for you. Our brokenness is not our definition. Let me say that again. Our if your consistent and intentional effort to follow Jesus and emulate him will be more definitive. The greatest thing we can say to our kids is I'm sorry. The greatest thing we can say to them, I'm sorry, I was wrong which I've done to my son, humble myself. You know? And my son now, he's old enough to like call me. Like, Dad, you said this and this and this. And it's like, go to your room. You know? like, and then I go later, like, dude, I was wrong. I apologize. That's okay, Dad. He's over it. That's done. But the, the, the humility that you have to walk in to go and apologize 
and to say, I'm sorry. This is, this is what being um, Christ-like is. You know, um, being definitive in, in our, uh, our effort to follow Jesus and emulate him. They may, you know, your kids may get older and they may say, man, dad was a horrible singer. But man, he sang so passionately about Jesus. That's, that's something that your kids, man, you would want them to say. He was horrible, but he loved Jesus so much that he didn't care what people thought of him. You want your kids to say that. You want your kids to say, my mom was not a great cook. She ordered food great and set it up for everybody when they came over, though. <laughs> Because she wanted to serve people. She wanted them to, to be like, man, you know, Jesus, I just want to serve you like Jesus loves me. I want to love you like that. And your kids won't look at your, your perfection and all the things that you think people need you to be. They'll look at who you really are. And that's amazing and scary. Because if you really passionately love Jesus and you say, Lord, I just want you, then you know that my kids are going to be okay. I've, I've done some messed up things. They've, they've seen some things. But man, I know that if I love Jesus and I keep serving him, I keep following him, that they're going to be okay because they're going to see Jesus in our home. And it's amazing because of that. But it's scary because if you stop, like if you're like in this place of like, I don't want Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't care about this anymore. I don't want church. I don't want any of that. And they start to see these things that you let in the home. That becomes a definition. They'll see you're bad, but they'll remember you're good. Let me say that again. They'll see you're bad, but they'll remember you're good. They'll remember when you tried. Children remember what you say, but they do what you do. Sitting and reading the Bible together will be a memory. Right? If you're, if you're pursuing Jesus and you're reading the Bible, you're praying daily, your kids are going to see that. And inviting them to be part of it will be a memory they grow up with. And they might remember some of the blow-ups. They might. They might remember some of the, re the things that got you angry, you yelled, and they might remember those things because they are traumatic for children. But the more you love Jesus, the more they will remember that you did your best to love them. So where can we start as Christian parents? And... I, I really prayed, and this was really difficult in, in finding a scripture that could say, like, this is where we start, right? Because there's so many great scriptures. But I, I, I landed on this one, Psalm 127.3. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. See, this is where we start as Christians. We start here. We erase any thought we had of children. From before this moment, the Bible says children are a gift. I know some of you are like, dang, I don't know. My children are some crazy kids. I don't know about these gifts, you know. I don't know about these presents. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this is what Scripture says to us. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Psalm 127, 4 through 5 says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. 
The clarity of looking at our children from the perspective that God gives us is that they're a gift. Our perspective of children must align with Scripture. We don't find Scriptures to align with our feelings. Like you're looking for like, can the child be demon-possessed? You know, like, <laughs> you're angry at your kid. You know, are they this, are they that? You look for Scriptures to say, Lord, what is my perspective on my child? Where do I find that in Scripture? We don't find Scripture to make us feel okay. We find Scriptures to align ourselves with. Children are a gift. A gift is not for your destruction. And I'm gonna, uh, there's a few things I want to say that I want just to sink in. A gift is not for your destruction. Especially from our Father in heaven. It's not for your destruction. A gift is not an inconvenience. And that's something that a lot of times it's like, man, you know, if only, why, or, or just right now. A gift is not an inconvenience. A gift is not a problem. It's not a problem to be solved. A gift is for you. Now think of it. The best gift you ever got. You know, I don't know what it could be, but the best gift you ever got was a thought-out gift that someone thought of you. They thought they're going to love this. I'll do this. I'll wrap it like this. We'll do this. You know, they'll be amazed. Wow. And then you got it. You went through the whole thing, and you're like, man, that was amazing. They thought of me. They planned it for me. They set everything, you know, up. And then when I got it, was amazing. This is what, what God views a child as for us. It's, it's this elaborate gift that he thought through. It's not for our destruction. It's not an inconvenience. It's not a problem. It's for you. But truthfully, a gift can be forgotten. A gift can be forgotten. Tossed aside, neglect it, reject it. Children, but you don't treat them in a way that says, I, that I love you. If you neglect your gift, that gift lives with neglect as a definition. And this is the harsh reality of choice. Probably 80% here, if they went to your house, they'd be like, man, that sucker's dying. <laughs> That's a dead plant. I gave him a live, living, vibrant plant. It's dead now. I mean, uh, I'm, that's me, okay? We killed a cactus. That's a true story. <laughs> we killed a cactus. How do you kill a cactus? We did, <laughs> all right? Imagine, though, the gift that God gave you. You know, this thing that you're supposed to look at, water, take care of, enjoy. It's supposed to give back because, you know, it brings life into the home, and it's neglected, and that neglect is the definition and just the question alone, the imagine, imagine that the gift God gave you and he asked you, have you taken care of what I've given you? That right there is a question that as parents we should walk with. Have we taken care of what God has given us? Even a plant would get watered from the guilt of knowing that the person who gave it to us could come over. Right? 
You know, they're coming over, you water that plant. <laughs> and they're like, have you been watering it? Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, check it, fill the soil, go ahead. Put your finger in there, go ahead. I got the temperature, you know. <laughs> you would feel guilty, and you would just take care of it just out of that guilt. What I'm saying to you is that God has given us this amazing gift, if we're a parent, and, and this idea of, of what it is, and it has to align with Scripture. It is a gift. It is a gift from God. In Matthew 18, 1 through 6. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Pastor Apoch, if you can come up and just strum. Uh, About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him, and put the child among them. <clears throat> then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. The value of a child is, is written here. And, and this positions us to have no excuse of how you were treated when you were growing up. I understand that there is trauma. I understand that there are things that happen. But the scripture teaches that God himself said, I'm paying attention to the way you treat my little ones. And he said, and if you're welcoming them, you're welcoming me. And he says, if you cause one of them to sin, it's better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. This positions us to say that God in heaven says, I value you. And, and there's the stuff that has happened. He's still, he's aware. He knows. He's gonna, the vengeance is his. We don't have to do anything back. We don't have to get our revenge. God takes care of it. And this is how we can be good parents. This is how we can even welcome those that are younger than us to say, hey man, come on, let's go. Because scripture says that anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Parental guidance starts with the conviction that God himself pays attention to the children. It starts with the conviction that God himself pays attention to the children. That should be convicting for all of us here. It's not my son. It's not my daughter. This is God's son. This is God's daughter. And he's going to say, did you take care of what I gave to you as a gift? Let's stand. I'm going to read this last part, and I'm going to invite Pastor Mancho. Here's some, what I call pocket psychology. It's, not, it's, it's just a general thought. 
but you have the opportunity to protect your children more than you were protected. To bless your children more than you were blessed. To show love to your children more than you were loved. This is where our faith in God comes in and the miraculous is evident that no matter what you went through, no matter how you were treated, God gave you an opportunity to take care of the gifts he gave to you. Children, remember what you say.